The ARA acknowledges the traditional owners of the land where we have recorded this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present, and recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as Australia's first traders, who utilise a sophisticated network of trading paths that have facilitated the exchange of goods, knowledge and culture for millennia. Hi, I'm Paul Zara, CEO of the Australian Retailers Association, and welcome to Season 6 of the Retail Therapy Podcast, proudly brought to you by American Express. In today's retail landscape, it's vital to understand the nuance and intricacies of diversity, equality and inclusion. It isn't just a buzzword, but a powerful force driving innovation and change across the sector. In each episode this season, we'll be focusing on the specific branch of the DNI tree, speaking to pioneers and leaders in their respective fields. Joining me for some retail therapy, focusing on diversity, equality and inclusion is Catherine Wolfgram, a nationally recognised trans advocate, award-winning gender diversity consultant and trans awareness trainer. Catherine is a pioneer in promoting equity and equality for the LGBTIQA plus community, appearing in countless media campaigns, receiving a range of honours and undertaking a healthy amount of charity work in between. She herself is a proud member of the transgender community and she uses her story to foster a culturally safe environment for others. Catherine, welcome to the program. Oh, Paul, do you know, I've just got this sudden idea that if I should die, you must read that at, as my eulogy. It sounds fabulous. Sounds fabulous. I was sound like a saint. <laughs> <laughs> you do sound like a saint. Now, I don't know who wrote that, but ChatGPT might have pulled that together for us. Oh, well, make sure they write it before you get up at the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're off to a good start, but we're going to start really talking about your beginning. Now, I understand you began your transition at 18. Now, what was that like? And did this experience encourage you to pursue a lifelong legacy of advocacy? Oh, to be perfectly frank with you, when you're 18, you don't think about advocacy. You know, I think you think about boys and going out and, and, and you know, having fun and trying to be pretty. But as you get older, um, you start to realise you have a social responsibility. And as time goes on as well, um, you tend to think about the legacy that you're leaving behind. So it is important to me, uh, because I can't have children, to at least uh, make the road a little clearer and a little safer for the trans children that will be coming after me. When you think back at that time and going through a transition, that would have been a very complicated time, particularly we're talking about maybe a decade or two ago. Um, we won't give your age away. Explain what that could be, what, what that would be like for those people that are listening that may not have even met a transgender person before. I guess, um, you know, times changed too. Uh, I transitioned 35 years ago. And, oh, um, you can't be that old. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, you know, I, I was I was minus ten, um, but yeah. So it was thirty five years ago. But and and times were different then. We didn't have the rights or equality or equity that we have um, today. Um, and you know, I think my most important thoughts at that time was survival like what am mm. i going to eat how am i going to find the money to eat where am i going to live how am i going to find the money to live um you know 
rights and all those things were possibly beyond my comprehension 35 mm. years ago. Um, I didn't think that I'd ever legally be allowed to be married. I didn't think I would ever have uh, a nine-to-five um, salary, you know, like a salary income. So, you know, and, and times change. It was a terrible time for a trans person back in those days. Um, of course, it was a much better time than the trans people that uh, transitioned before me. But it was ten times worse than what the kids go through today. Do you think it's getting easier? Of course. Um, and we have education to thank for that. And we have also um, available online um, materials that parents can access. Once upon a time, we would either be thrown out of home as soon as we started transitioning or we would decide to leave so that we could have the freedom to transition, mm. you know, and um, and become orphans in effect. So um, nowadays parents want to protect their kids, keep them in the home, help them change their names, you know, and, and even help them um, on the, on the uh, road to transition. And that is beyond my comprehension, but it makes me extremely happy at the same time that we have come so far um, in equality and, you know, and we have to really, I mean, the trans community, we did not do this on our own. Mm. The uh, gay and lesbian community, they have stood with us and they continue to support and um and empower us as we journey forward um, into into the future, and uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful thing. As soon as we were added to the acronym LGBT, um, you know, we we were empowered a lot more than how we were before. That's so beautiful to hear. Mm. Now, I understand you've actually created some legal precedents as a result of your work. Can you talk us through that? Yes, of course. Uh, well, I mean, that started. I mean, but you know, I have to tell you though, like, seriously, I'm not a saint. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, you might so, have to save that conversation for another <laughs> podcast. <I> but, <laughs> so, um, the first legal precedent I created uh, was not even in Australia. I was born in Fiji and um, I was the first. Uh, transgender woman in Fiji to be legally given a female name by the Fijian government, um, which allowed all transgender people after me to be able to change their names. And, um, you know, we have a ripple effect, um, you know, these things that are, are unbelievable um, to some people. It has ripple effects that are even more unbelievable. Six months after I requested this from the Fijian government, the Fijian government was the third country in the world to add LGBT protection into their constitution. Um, and then what else did I do? Oh, look, I've done a few things. There was language. I've changed language across the country. Um, there, there used to be a transphobic slur that was much bandied about, uh, beginning with T and ending in Y. And it was an abbreviation for transsexual because the word was too long. But some brilliant person thought that they'd take that word and have bingo nights and, 
uh, trivia nights and all these things, but they weren't actually transgender people. This was in Sydney? This was across the country. Right. And, um, you know, so, but they were giving permission to people outside the community to use that word. And that word came back and it was used as a word of hate, specifically towards young transgender women. Uh, you know, not to me because I'm too old, but to young transgender women, they were called uh, filthy T's and, you know, F and T's. Every time they, you know, it was a word that replaced, you know, uh, other horrible words like whore and slut and things. Very, um, very abusive and very degrading and demeaning towards transgender women. So what I did was I took... Um, I sent legal letters from Allens. Uh, do you know Allens? They're the, the top, yeah, mm-hmm. um, commercial <clears throat> lawyers in in the country, and um, sent legal letters to all of the hotels. I didn't. I didn't bother asking the people having the nights. I I, I took legal action against the the owners of uh, who are allowing them to have them across New South Wales and the ACT. And overnight, the word stopped being used um, across the country. And then the papers, the newspapers took it up and they announced that it was a transphobic slur and it was never allowed to be used again. Basically, what I did was I took permission for that word to be used back. I have given it back to the transgender community and they can do whatever they like with it. Um, as long as it's not used to abuse us again, I will be fine with that. I also took the Australian... Uh, oh, actually, let's take that back. I also took one of the uh, major Australian newspapers uh, to anti-discrimination. They had an anti-transgender column um, and it was filled with anti-trans... Um, articles designed to fuel uh, misunderstanding and hate towards my community, specifically transgender children. So I took them to anti-discrimination and I won after five hours of conciliation. I don't think they understood what they were exactly up against. Um, They eventually conceded uh, to change the way that they reported. They changed all the headlines. Um, and they've agreed that they will no longer use sensational headlines um, that they have not said. Like usually they quote what other Mm -hmm. people say and then they use that quote as the headline um, and it sounds like they're saying it factually, but they're actually repeating what someone else is saying, therefore they feel that they can't be sued. So uh, they've agreed that if there is a headline like that, they will say in the headline, says this person or says that person. And they did editor's notes, changing all of the um, uh, headlines saying due to concerns raised by Miss Catherine Wolfgram. Congratulations. Well, you're famous. I've done some other things. but That's amazing. I mean, often um, people often say that as a society we've made a lot of progress, but I think anybody who's part of the LGBTIQ plus community would agree that there's still a way to go. And clearly, when you, when you think about the LGBTI community, I, I, LGBTIQ community, how would you assess it? Do you think that some we, – we bandy together, but we're very – there's diversity in the diversity. 
do you think that the, the, the trans community are sort of the last bastion from an equality perspective? Yes. Well, I mean, we've got to look at LGBTQIA like we look at the um, EU. You know, each country has its own identity and, and own history and all those things, but they um, come together. they come together and as a united front, they are stronger economically, legally, and all these other, you know, and, yes. and, and that's why... Um, it, it's really great that we do have our community that is strong and growing stronger, never more strong than in Sydney, especially after Sydney World Pride last year. It was amazing. Um, <clears throat> you know, and uh, the pendulum swings, of course, you know, there was a lot of backlash after that, especially yeah. towards the trans community. Yes. Uh, there were neo-Nazis doing salutes at anti-trans rallies. It was quite terrifying, actually, when you, uh, as a trans woman, mm. I found that terrifying and ghastly. Um, and and also, too, you know, I've, I was really shocked that, um, you know, that, that it could have even happened because we have come so far. But mm. the pendulum yes. swings. Yes, yes, yes. You know, it swings far to the left and then it swings far to the right mm. and then it swings far to the left and then, you know, but, but the swing gets shorter. Um, so, you know, we gain more rights and then there's a, a backlash from that and then mm. we stop them from doing that again and then we gain more rights. And, mm. you know, one day... We will have true equality. When you think about the sort of the rise of the right wing and you think about the US and, you know, it's been often driven by fear, so Islamophobia being a good example and transphobia being the latest, how does that make you feel? What, where do you think this hate comes from? Well, it is fear. I mean, that's why it's called phobia. And, you know, phobia is a fear of and, <clears throat> I mean, you know, some people are scared of spiders um, and you, you can't tell them not to be scared of spiders, you know, because – but you can tell them to stop killing them. Yes. You know, and we can protect some spiders from being killed and um, stuff like that. And I think that's the way um, with with those sort of phobias. Also, to education. That's how I've made a career out of teaching um, people about transgender people, our culture, and helping people to understand us more, yes. so they are less fearful of us. Um, and, and that's the catch lane of my business, actually, turning fear into understanding. Um, you know, and that's basically what I do with my consultancy. And and that's, I think that's how we should do that and you know we have important days on the LGBT calendar where so many of us do come forward to not just to celebrate but to educate um, you know there's Wear a Purple Day, there's Ida Hobbit, there's you know there's so many days and those are the days where it's really important for us as a community to come forward and help educate others in the hope that it will reduce phobia mm. And if it doesn't, then there are laws in place to stop them from acting on it. Yeah, you raised some really good points there. Now, on the listening today, we have an audience of retail professionals, generally people that are interested in the industry. Um, uh, and one of the questions I often hear is, as an employer, how can you support someone who has come out to you? Would you be able to give some advice to our listeners? Well, it depends, of course, how big your company is. And... Um, 
you know, often if there is a trans inclusion employment policy in place, then the um, transition, pardon the pun, um, of the um, should be very easy uh, because you've preempted everything uh, and it's there written in stone on how you approach um, a trans a trans person transitioning in the workplace or a trans person coming into your workplace, um, and uh, and and that will make it easier for people that come later as well, new HR people, they can refer to the policy yes. that's already in place. There's also materials you can access um, that the Gender Centre have a, a lot of online material, um, and as does the Trans Hub um, by ACON. Um, but, you know, if you... The most important um, part, I think, of of a trans person accessing employment is to remember that all they really want to do is make some money so that they can do what they need to yes. do in their lives. Um, and I think a lot of people forget that. And um, it's hard, uh, you know, and a lot of, you know, we, we went through a phase where trans people weren't being employed for not being the right fit because, you know, other people would feel uncomfortable working around them and things like that. And that's unfair as well because it creates a um, enforced poverty on a lot of trans people. And that's so unfair mm. to be forced to be poor. Um, you know, so that should be really looked at. Perhaps look at that first before thinking of the trans inclusion policy, mm. um, you know, but and also too, you know, you can always flick me an email. I'm always happy to to um, to send everyone in the right direction. Very good. When when you think about employers, why do you think having a trans policy is important? Um, well, in corporations, it's you know rules are, are very important and guidelines are very important because there's so many people to deal with and it it just keeps everything very clear and and so when you when there is a um, trans inclusion policy uh, there and it's set in stone, then anyone can access that and they understand the protocol um, and procedure. Uh, to to be able to address and um, handle the situation. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've often thought myself actually about this because um, I've done a lot of work in the diversity space and I always believe if you, if you can actually um, encourage and manage and have the policies for the LGBTIQ community, I think it's the ultimate litmus test of inclusion because, um, in fact, we're the only diversity pillar that has a can have a social taboo associated with mm. it. So if you've solved for the LGBTIQ people, you've solved for all mm. all all diversity pillars, including people mm. with a disability, those uh, for gender equality, for people with cultural differences. Do you think that's a fair statement? Absolutely. Um, also, too, you've got to look at the um, waste of human equity. You know, look at the human equity that is wasted because of fear and discrimination and and really consider that because there has been a great waste of, of human equity with discrimination against LGBT people that is breaking down. I mean, I've... 
uh, last year I got my very first um, corporate job, you know. Um, I'm a business development executive. Um, five years prior to that, I wouldn't have been able to get a job in a milk bar. Right. Um, but now, um, I mean, I'm just one person. Imagine how many other people out there that could be used in very important roles across the country that are not being used. And um, So missed opportunity. Well, really. that's very wasteful. Yeah. Like, you know, when you sort of consider national debt, um, taxes and all these things. Someone has to look after these people that are not being employed. No, good point. And um, someone has to pay for them to, to be looked after. It would be better for them to be mm. joining the workforce and paying taxes too. Absolutely. And there's a war on talent, right? So there's a lot of talented trans people that could fit quite easily into really important roles and mm. actually do an amazing job um, and uh, uh, are there t- to be utilised. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the missed opportunity there because you've just touched on that. When you think about um, as a customer walking into a retail store um, and the cu- full customer experiences, are there any challenges or anything specific that transgender individuals uh, individuals face when shopping in retail stores and how can they be best addressed? I think um, people need to not overcompensate. Um, it's being a trans woman, I mean, I know I'm a trans woman. I don't need to be told that the other person is so open-minded that they right. love trans people coming into their store. You know, I'm not really there to hear that mm. um, and or to be reminded of that. And, you know, I'm just there to buy an item mm. and uh, to be served like anybody else and to, to be able to be um, to purchase just like anybody else. Funny, you should touch on that. I was thinking about that um, on the way in. You know, um, as trans people are um, joining the workforce, um, we are now a um, a community with a large disposable income. So it really does need to be considered yes. how um, how as consumers we can be serviced and the way that we all we want is just to be treated just like any other woman or man that comes into a store seeking Mm. um, customer service we don't need any special treatment just respect just respect and just you know and 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 that is all like you know i i don't i actually find overcompensation a little bit condescending right you know, a little bit patronising and you've got to really be careful of that. I mean, I do go to other stores when people do that to me. Not that I go to many stores. I mean, I am dressed by Camilla. You are about to say that you're in full Camilla today. It's a shame this is audio only because you'll get to appreciate Catherine's fully dressed for the part today and has got an outfit on a hanger for an evening event tomorrow night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, um, I've, do you go from day to night just like that? I do. I, I'm very fortunate. Um, I, I'm a brand ambassador for Camilla. She sent me an email uh, only the other day um, telling me that she was so proud to dress me and she was so happy that I felt safe to always be seen and wearing her brand and... You know, it's it's quite special as as a you know fifty something year old. Um, 
I didn't, I used to be, when I was in my 20s, I was dressed by Alex Perry. Mm. I was his Perry girl for the gay scene. And, you know, these sort of things when you're being dressed and stuff like that, it's something that you leave with your youth. You sort of think, oh, well, you know, only young people um, have those sort of fun experiences. Yes. And, you know, so it's nice to revisit those sort of things. Because, uh-huh. uh, you know, they're, they're not the only people that... Um, uh, they, you know, I, I, I do amb- brand ambassadorships with a lot of different brands. So I was the booking.com uh, uh, ambassador during World Pride, a Travel Proud ambassador. Um, I'm an ambassador for the P&O Pride Cruises. Um, you know, so yeah, there's a yeah, there's some there's some commercial advantages to being <laughs> Catherine Wolfgram. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're, you're oh, a bit, Sephora. You're, you're Sephora. You've done that That's as well, right. of course. Well, they they um, last year I had a one woman show at the Sydney Fringe Festival, mm. and they they were my major sponsors. You know, and it, it's just amazing that I can still sort of be supported and sponsored by. Yeah. By good brands. I'm always looking for new brands, people out there. <laughs> Anyone listening or you've come to the right place in the whole retail industry. No, I only do wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> Are we able to mention the, the company you're working for currently? Oh, yes, of course. Yes. You're- so... Um, I, I, I'm a brand, I, I, I'm the business development executive for Carnival Australia. We have um, nine uh, cruise lines in our fleet, including. Um, Holland America Line, Seabourn, um, Cunard, so all the queens, Queen Elizabeth, Queen Anne, you know, <laughs> Queen Mary. Yeah, all the – and, uh, yeah, so it's sort of – I get um, – I, I, I work behind the scenes at head office, um, mainly in escalation and also um, <clears throat> uh, PR stuff. But you know, it's it's really fun. Yeah. It's very fulfilling. I'm thriving. In yeah. fact, I can see you're happy and you're doing it. I have been following so on socials. I'm happy. I think too. You know, um, as a trans woman, I have always worried about my future. Um, you know, like having an income, having an income. You know, and my income is dependent on whether I am fashionable or trendy at the moment or if I'm trending online or, you know, I always have to throw out something fabulous so that to keep me current. And now I have a salary. Um, it, it gives me uh, protection where I, I'm no longer, f- I feel safe now. There's no longer, I don't feel like there's wolves yapping at my door, mm. um, you know, and I don't feel like I'm at the whim of somebody else's um, decision making. Uh, now I I can I can breathe. When you think about your time and your your career, if you was there any jobs that you did do that prepared you for your current um, position? Oh, yes, Paul. I've done a hell of a lot more for a hell of a lot less. <laughs> Fair enough. No, Do you feel valued in what you're doing? Yes, of course. Well, I mean, I had the consultancy uh, for several years before, um, you know, so I've, I've always dealt uh, – and, oh, yes, that's the other part of my job. I, I, I deal with partnerships um, for Carnival Australia. And so because of uh, – I don't know if you've looked at my client list – it's like all the Fortune 500 companies and um, 
PNB Paribas, that's the top um, the top bank in in Europe. Um, when we signed the deal for me to uh, teach there, they said, "Oh, you've done all the top banks of the world now." And I said, "Oh, have I?" <laughs> and they, they, they said, "Yes, except the Chinese ones." And I was like, "Oh!" And then I went back and googled it, and, I, and so I have. I've done the top twenty uh, banks of the world, and also the top ten law firms in the in the world, and you know, so um, that. That because I regularly ha- and the, and I see them more than once, mm. right? so um, that is proof of of my um, character um, as a as a um, business person. Yes, of um, what I'm capable as of looking after companies and partnerships and stuff like that, mm. and also the brand ambassadorships they help. Also, community ambassador for a lot of things. Um, the Bobby Goldsmith Foundation. I'm a community ambassador for Qtopia Sydney, the new gay museum that's opening. Mm. I was on the board for that, but I stepped down because I've just been a little bit too busy now. You've got um, a bit going on. Oh, I much <laughs> prefer ambassadorships anyway. You know, it's much more fun. <laughs> do, do, just in, in closing, Catherine, do you have any advice for someone struggling with their own gender identity or being fearful about embracing their own, their true selves? It goes beyond just... Uh, I think beyond gender identity, identity and sexuality, how do, how does somebody get to live yeah. their own true self? Well, first of all, if anyone's listening here and they've they've decided to take a step to become um, their authentic selves, I would like to say congratulations. I think the most difficult part of this whole process is um, taking the first step, and and it's you know you have to have. A lot of courage and determination, um, and also <sighs> sacrifice. Um, you know, someone sacrifices a lot to transition. Yes, they sacrifice their families, they sacrifice loved ones, they sacrifice a lot, and then job security and all these things. Um, it's very hard uh, f- for a trans person. Um, so. I would say the first step that you need to do is um, talk to your HR and let HR help you. And if you don't have HR, then uh, contact the Gender Centre. They have a team of um, of counsellors and psychiatrists that are able to help um, people that that want to transition or are going through transitioning, and um, I think uh, for for employees, you know, when you do have uh, someone that is about to transition in the workplace, do have compassion. Um, it takes great understanding and empathy to accept something so unique. And but it will make you a bigger and better person for it, and it would also um, improve uh, office culture because it brings more diversity into the workspace. Um, also, too, I think I don't know. I'm thinking of something. Um. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you a follow as a follow up question. Do you think uh, being a trans person is a superpower? Is it a superpower? 
It's a funny question. It's a good question. I think it. You know, I I, I just did a I, I did a post on Facebook recently calling myself a a battle maiden. <laughs> um, the thing is that when you transition, something very unique happens to you that doesn't happen to every gender, and that is you meet yourself, you recognize yourself, mm. and you are trying to protect yourself and love yourself. Finding yourself is something that not everybody does, but people who transition, they have found themselves, and that makes them unique. And I think it makes us more uh, empathetic and understanding to everyone around us um, who haven't found themselves yet because we know what that feels like. Yeah. Well, listen, Catherine, all love to you. Appreciate you joining us for some retail therapy here in the Amex uh, Lounge and all the best for you, the important work that you do and best of luck in the future. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here and um, I, I'm no doubt I shall see you somewhere in the social calendar. Um, you know, we live in a small city. Even though Sydney is a big city, it's still a small city in many ways, isn't it? Absolutely. Now, you'll be sailing out in your full Camilla to, uh, this, this afternoon, so thank you very much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. See you later. Thanks for joining us on the Amex Lounge for some retail therapy. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. We can be found wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. For more information about the work we do at the Australian Retailers Association, head to our website, retail.org.au. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, wherever you love to connect. All the links can be found in the show notes. <laughs>